Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, with me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 6th of July 2020 and this is episode 168. On this week's Dispatches podcast, David Tattersfield, the Development Trustee from the Western Front Association, talks about Operation Alias. This is a project by the WFA to identify men who were killed in the Great War and served under an assumed name. I spoke to David over the interweb from his home in York. David, welcome back to the Dispatches podcast for the third time. Could you start by giving us a brief overview of yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? That one's straightforward enough. Um, I became interested in the Great War simply by reading Martin Middlebrook's first day on the Somme uh, back in 1990. I think uh, quite a lot of uh, people who were interested in the First World War came from the same source, uh, Martin's uh, first day on the Somme book. Uh, the following year, uh, I went out uh, with my brother to visit the battlefields and have been going ever since. And what's your role in the WFA? I joined the WFA initially and then uh, was invited to become treasurer of the Yorkshire branch. Um, I then uh, joined the National Committee uh, as Development Trustee and I'm now uh, Vice Chairman of the Western Front Association. Now we're going to talk about Operation Alias. Could you tell us what that is? Yes, Project Alias is what we are doing in this period of lockdown with the coronavirus. Um, It's keeping people, WFA members, um, engaged um, and not going bored out of their minds, hopefully. What we are looking to do is to examine all aliases on the Commonwealth War Graves Commission website and compare those details to the Western Front Association's pension records and then do the same in the opposite direction. Go through all the WFA's pension records looking for men who um, are supposedly serving under a pseudonym. What we are finding is um, two things. First of all, the CWGC records are very thin on the ground in terms of UK aliases that seem to be fairly thorough for Dominion Dominion aliases. So what we are finding is that the UK government, or not government necessarily, but the Imperial War Graves Commission, possibly did not collect the alias information um, particularly accurately. So by doing this, we are finding lots, and I mean thousands, of men who served in the British Army under an alias for the very first time. So this therefore means that uh, relatives can find um, granddad, great-granddad more easily now if great-granddad served under a pseudonym. So essentially you're saying that people enlisted as David Tattersfield in the 10th Blankshire Regiment and they gave Tom Thorpe as, as their name and served under that assumed name even though that wasn't obviously their real identity. Correct. There's shades of grey here with aliases because some men... It was a genuine alias on the pension record cards. But equally, we've got a lot of examples where is it really an alias? Um, It's possibly a a slight variation of the spelling. Perhaps they didn't know how to spell their own name uh, on one level. There's other examples where we are looking at cards and seeing a different name, but it's not necessarily an an alias. So there's a massive range. It's not just black and white. There's a massive range of different scenarios that we are coming across, which is perhaps why we are now up to 9,000 lines of data 
and by the time the project finishes in a few days' time, uh, certainly the project for the research stage, we might be knocking on for 10,000 lines of data. That doesn't mean 10,000 aliases, because what we're finding is Thorpe served as Tattersfield is on one line, and Tattersfield alias Thorpe is on another line. So what we're going to have to do is a lot of data manipulation to find these pairs of aliases where there are pairs and link them together in order to come to a final table, if you like, of men who um, served under a pseudonym. So obviously you're looking at men who, who served under a pseudonym and were killed and therefore registered by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Yes, this is only for men who were killed. To try and scale this up for all men who served would be just too large. It would just be too large to be manageable. So you're looking essentially at people who served under a different name for, for a set population. How many men did serve under a different name? Roughly. That's a, very good, that's a very good question. The Commonwealth War Graves Commission have on their database 3,500 lines of aliases on men um, who served as an al- under an alias. The data that we are collating at the moment is at 8,500 lines of data and we're not finished. So let's say we get to 9,000 lines of data. Let's also assume that each of those lines can be paired off with another line. So we've got Thorpe served as Tattersfield, Tattersfield served as Thorpe as, as two two lines. So we've got to have, possibly have, the nine and a half the nine thousand lines down to four and a half thousand. It's gonna be more than four and a half thousand, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I, I would suggest tentatively that we might be looking at somewhere between five thousand and possibly six thousand to seven thousand aliases. It's we're still at the data gathering stage and we're not at the data manipulation stage, but certainly we might be looking at, we might even be looking at twice as many men who served under an alias and died than previously thought by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. So the question is, how does the data text these aliases and why did men assume aliases? Well, well, that's a deep question. Well, there's, there's any number of uh, answers to that one. Basically, um, bad marriage. Uh, they wanted to get away from the missus. Uh, they could have served in the army previously and blotted the copybook and wanted to rejoin uh, when the war started but not be identified as the bad character that they previously were. Um, previous criminal record in Civvy Street, so they needed to change or blur their identity there. A lot of the men, the, the grey areas for the men who aren't really aliases might be within this data set, so it might be just a lot of these might be a slightly variation on, on on the surname not deliberate but it's been recorded as an alias which we need to somehow try to identify and filter out so there's a, there's gray areas here as well where this would be a tremendous exercise for us to invite a university phd or ma student to analyze why this particular question the, the other and the question here, of course, is um, regional variations. We seem to be getting an awful lot more aliases in the island of Ireland than elsewhere. And that is interesting. So if Thorpe was serving as Tattersfield in the, the, in the army and I served, I joined up as Tattersfield and I was killed. How does the Commonwealth War Graves Commission know that I'm Tattersfield and not Thorpe? So how do they detect these aliases? That's an interesting question, Tom. What we are finding is because the Dominion soldiers are more thoroughly recorded by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, it seems that the 
Dominion governments may have had a better handle on this and fed the data into the Imperial Wargraves Commission uh, as it was at the time. The fact that we are finding so many new men who served as an alias from the UK is very suggestive that the data was not correctly obtained or given to the Imperial Wargraves Commission immediately after the war. What type of um, safeguards did the military authorities take to to check that um, a certain person joining up under the name they gave was that indeed that individual? That's somewhat beyond the scope of the project that we're trying to run, but my intuition says that there was no checks whatsoever, unlike in today's world where you take along a passport and two forms of ID, including a utility bill, that wasn't going to happen in the First World War. You went along to the recruitment office and said your name was John Smith and I'm I'm 19, or your name's Fred Brown and you're 16. I don't think there's any control and check going on. So you're in the army under the name that you tell them is your name. And recruiting sergeants also had targets to meet and probably turned a blind eye, as the records show in many cases. Absolutely. What's the benefit of the alias project? First of all, just on a, on one level, if you're trying to find great granddad and he served as an alias, you're going to be in bother on, unless you know the alias. On the macro level, we're getting a bigger ident- idea of the entirety of the men who served as an alias. Previously, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, as I say, had about three and a half thousand individuals. We're going to go way, way beyond that. And so we'll have a much bigger pool of men into which we can hopefully get some academic interest to get an understanding of why these men did this, where they came from, and if there's any particular trends that can be extracted from this data. And what's the timescale of the project? We're currently uh, recording this on the 25th of April uh, 2020, and this is being broadcast on in July, when the summer, I'm sure, is with us. The the context is that we're right now in the middle of the coronavirus, obviously. We don't know how on the 25th of April this is going to pan out. Um, Hopefully things will improve rapidly but for the last month we've been in a period of lockdown and as a result what I imagined would take six months to do the research for has literally we're 95% of the way through in literally six weeks it's been an absolutely incredible journey with over 150 Western Front Association volunteers having taken part at various stages in the project. It's been split into two phases at this stage. Uh, Phase one was done very rapidly. Phase two is a slower process. But if anybody listening to this wishes to take part in terms of project alias, it's probably going to be too late. But we do have another project, which is now just starting, which is Project Hometown, which is where we are trying to look at the pension record cards and improve the findability of these by using the man's home address. Quite often, this is not adequately recorded on the card, not necessarily through Ancestry's fault. They have collected um, the data with a degree of accuracy that I estimate of about 90%. But it's just about 10% of these cards, which I think we can improve on. And Project Hometown, if WFA members wish to get involved, uh, is the current project, which will be going on for some time now, or will be going on for some time from now onwards. And I'd invite WFA members who wish to have get involved with this to get in contact with me directly. David, tell me what the outcome of the project is. 
aspirationally, what we're going to do is collect all the data, which we're very close to having completed now, manipulate it in order to uh, identify the pairs of aliases and, and do what we can to eradicate any uh, lines with, uh, of data which are not really aliases at all, get this into some kind of spreadsheet and publish it on the Western Front Association website for people to access. Um, this is in the future, although by the time this is published, we might be there. But at this stage, aspirationally, the idea is very much for this data, this, this, the, the, the information from this project to be shared with the wider world on the Western Front Association website. David, where can people get more information about Project Alias? Look on the Western Front Association website. There are a few articles um, there. More will come along in weeks to come as the project uh, develops. But at this stage, there are at least three or four articles on the Western Front Association website uh, which uh, explain where we've got to at each stage. David, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much, Tom. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth, performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time...